Amen. Now, Mike said that we will take the offering and then have some more singing and then the preaching. Does that mean I'm singing right now? No, I'm on. Uh, you know, just a word about this morning. I realized that uh, <laughs> so much to be said and so much I was able to say this morning. And I tell you, it was, it was work for me. I don't know about you. I don't know if it was work for you to listen, but it was sure work for me uh, preaching in, in the area of prophecy this morning. But uh, uh, one thing I, I didn't say one of the reasons I'm so convinced about uh, chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew, you, you know, Paul later wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians, Jews require a sign. Uh, they, they give, you know, the, they told the Lord Jesus, give, give us a, a sign like Jonah and the whale, you know, give, give us a sign, give us some kind of sign. And he told them, you, you've had enough signs. So you, you don't believe the ones you have. But the Jews require a sign, and that, those books are full of signs. But see, there's, there's something you need to remember. you born again believers in Jesus Christ, in the church, in this age. Uh, we're not looking for signs, necessarily. We're looking for the Savior. It's, we're not looking for signs. We're listening for sound. Blow that trumpet. Jesus, we're ready to go home. So always remember that, that, hey, there's nothing wrong with studying the signs. That, well, that's the reason I brought it up this morning. There's nothing wrong with looking at the signs of the times. They do make an impact on us, uh, and we ought to be alert to them. But, uh, but Christian church, we're looking for Jesus, just pure and simple looking for Jesus. Tonight, we're in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, we're going to finish up chapter 1 and go into the first three verses of chapter 2. And uh, I, I want you to find that. Uh, just a word while you're looking for that passage of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. I introduced several weeks ago the book of 1 Peter. It was a, uh, a letter written by Peter to be kind of a circuit letter among the disciples that lived out on the edge of the empire uh, they were the diaspora, the seed planting, uh, Christians planted in areas far out away from uh, the Jerusalem church, the concentration of Christians in the first century. And he wrote this letter to go out among these people. And uh, the theme is hope, to give them hope. So listen, those of you that are in those hard places, difficult places, those places of great trials, says, I want to remind you over and over again, that God gives us hope, our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that theme runs throughout here. Um, tonight, uh, I'm, we're going to begin to look at a section that actually runs on into chapter 2 quite a ways, uh, right down through verse 10, as, uh, as Peter begins to encourage the church about the importance of other believers in our lives, uh, Christian people in our lives. Uh, the title of my sermon is The Birth and Growth of a Child of God. And that's the first thing he deals with, that we, if we're believers, are children of God and a part of God's family. Uh, so with that in mind, let's read verses 22 of chapter 1 through verse 3 of chapter 2. Stand with me, please, as we read the Word of God. You follow with me, uh, beginning at verse 22 of chapter 1. Peter writes... Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth 
through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, a quote from Isaiah, and all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? Then you're, you qualify for the sermon tonight, all right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, your grace, and your love. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the sincere milk of the word. Thank you for the sweet, the sweet knowledge of your grace in our lives and hearts. Thank you for saving me. Saving so many in this place tonight. Uh, uh, grow us and help us remember. Don't ever let us forget. We, we do need you. We need you. We need the Holy Spirit working in our lives. We need the fellowship with the Father and the Son. But we need each other. Um, we, we must be a family. If we're going to be the children of God, we must be in the family of God. Uh, make that so. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I mentioned a little bit about uh, the recipients of this letter. Have you ever felt like you were alone in something? I mean, you, you were going it alone, uh, maybe in your work. Uh, I remember when I was in college, I worked on an assembly line, uh, and I worked third shift. Folks, that's a lonely job. Uh, and I saw very few people, some on down the line and whatnot on the assembly line. Most of every one of them worked faster than I did. Uh, but it, it was lonely. Uh, have, you, have you ever felt, this is one I wrestle with in recent days, alone in your concerns. When you, you look at this world, the way it's going and the heartache around us. Uh, uh, I have to admit to you, I had to repent, ask God to forgive me and carry on. And when I look at the world sometimes and I watch the news, I tell Diana, says, I just want to load up a tent and go to the mountains and tell everybody goodbye. Uh, get away from my... Hey, is that all right? If, if, if that wasn't enough confession, well, I'll come and take Mike's hand at the end and, and let him pray for me, all right? But do you ever feel alone in your concerns? Uh, is maybe you talk with family and friends at work? Uh, do you ever feel alone in your emotions. I'm the only one feeling this. I'm the only one hurting over this. Maybe not. But you, do you ever just feel alone? You know, 1 Peter is a book of hope. And it sends out a message that we as Christians are never alone. We got to remember that. 
Now, sure, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit with us. We are in Christ. The Christ is in us. We've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we have communion with the Father, Abba Father. He's our Father. We can always speak to Him. Sure, we are not alone. They are always with us. They are always with us. But even more, there are real people who share our experience, our faith, and our struggles in the world. When I ask all those questions about, do you ever feel alone? I saw, like that little bobbin thing in the back of somebody's people's car, some people's car. You know, some of you got one of those big boys that goes up and down like this in the back seat. Uh, the heads were just bought. I saw people identifying with one another all across this congregation. Alone in my emotions, my concerns, uh, and whatnot. People saying, yes, yes, I'll... But see, that's one of the great big reasons we're here tonight, folks. We're not alone. We, we do have one another. People that share our concerns, share our experience, experiences, share our struggles, share our faith. And Paul, Peter wanted the people to know that. Now, in 1 Peter, we're not going to cover all the way through verse 10 of chapter 2 tonight. But in this section of 1 Peter 1, through 2.10, he speaks to Christians concerning their rela- the relationship they have with God, but also the relationship they have with one another. In this world of sorrow, conflict, and sin, we are not alone. Hillcrest, remember, you're not alone. Don't you ever get a spirit and a feeling, whatever happens to you by, through someone else or through some experience, get to a place where you feel alone and that loneliness drives you away from this place. You're, you will make yourself alone if it drives you away from here. Be here with God's people. Be here and don't be alone. We are not isolated. We, and what Peter means to do is say this, we're related to one another. We really, we're related to one another. You know that word? You, any of you got relations? You know, we're, we got kinfolk. We're related to one another. Now, let, give you, let me give you a preview of the upcoming weeks. Peter talks about tonight's sermon. We're related because we're children in the same family. But he's going to go on, says... This is a real meaningful one. We're like bricks in a building. Any builders in here? Any builders? I mean, uh, even if you're not a good one, uh, uh, build something that fell down. Uh, uh, we're you know, bricks in a building. And, and then he talks about that we're priests in a temple. We're, we're serving together in that way. And then he talks about being citizens of a kingdom. But tonight... I want to talk to you about the birth and the growth of a child of God. That's what he talks about in these verses we read this evening. Just just the two points and a bunch of many points under them. Uh, First of all, the birth of a child of God in verses 22 through 25. He says in verse 22 that you are born again. He, He says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit Unto unfeigned love to the brethren, see that you love one another uh, with a pure heart, fervently, verse 23, being born again. 
See, the new birth begins when we believe the truth. The truth. Verse 21, it says, Who by him, that's Jesus, do believe in God. Did you see that phrase? By him we believe in God. By Jesus we believe in God. How many people can you think of if you started talking to them about faith or God or heaven or hell, they'd say, well, I believe in God. It'd be hard to say to them, but it's true to say to them, you don't believe in God if you don't believe by Him. By Him we believe in God. Who by, by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead. By the way, it's not just believing in Jesus, but the resurrected Jesus. It's getting deep here, isn't it? The truth expands. He says, to believe in God it raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Your faith and hope are not in God unless you believe in him, that is the, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was risen from the dead and today is in his glory. Now, I want to say something to you. To be saved, you have to believe the truth. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It says in Ephesians chapter 2. And, you know, as I read that, that verse, there's a lot of things in there that are truth that contradict a lot of things that people say they're saved. They say, you know, uh, I know people that say they're saved, and they say they, they're saved by faith, but they're also believe they're saved by their good works, or either they're saved that, that they have to keep working. They'll say, well, you know, I was saved by faith, but i got to keep the works up to stay saved. Can I tell you something? The one who saved you in the beginning will save you in the end. Uh, you, don't do, you don't keep anything up. He holds us. We are kept, it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, by the power of God. We're kept by the power of God. When Noah and his children his, and their wives went into the ark, the Bible says that when they all got in with all the animals, that something happened. You know what it was? God shut the door. They didn't hang on to the railings, did they? With all their power and their might. They didn't make sure the deck wasn't slick so they didn't slide off. They were not kept by their power. They were kept by the power. They were kept in that place till God said that the judgment is over. See, they were saved by the power of God and salvation in Christ is by the power of God believing the truth. Believing the truth. What's sad is there are some people talk about faith in God but they don't believe the truth. And I, I want to be... Um, Patient, I want to be loving, I want to be kind. You do not have to be a seminary graduate to get saved. You don't have to know all the soteriology uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, everything else about the saving work of Jesus Christ. You don't, you, don't, you don't even have to be able to quote scriptures or even Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. But I tell you, you must have believed the truth. I guess the way to put it is, you better not have believed the lie that you have to be baptized to be saved. That you have to do good works. I'm sorry, did that offend someone? Uh, take it up with Mike. He told me to say that. Uh, and uh, you, you better have believed the truth. 
Uh, you know, through the years as a pastor, uh, people will come to me and say, Brother Ken, I didn't grow up in the Baptist church and says, uh, uh, and I, I, w- I wasn't baptized in a Baptist church. It says, but I really do believe my baptism is correct. It's on the right side of my salvation. Um, and uh, I want to know what, if there's any possibility of us join here. So, and we did have a provision in the churches I pastored that you could join by a statement. You could come by a statement if you had had an evangelical experience of faith in Jesus Christ and you were part of a church that believed the truth about salvation. You understand what I'm saying? About salvation, about being saved by grace and not by work. And I would always talk to people and say, what I'm concerned about is what you believed. I, and what you believed that uh, following that you were baptized. I said, I'm not so torn up about the other ta- things and the other names. Uh, and I'm a Baptist, and I'm a Baptist by conviction. I appreciate being a Baptist. I love what I heard on the radio one day. A guy was preaching. This was years ago. And, and, he, had, and he, had a, he had a call-in show after his, you know, after his sermon. We're not going to do that here, all right? You, uh, but had a call-in. And this lady called in and was challenging. Why do you call yourself a Baptist? Why you da 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 Says, why don't you just call yourself Christian? Why aren't you just a church? Just fussing and fussing and fussing. And said, lady, listen. Says, I wear that label because it helps people identify some of the things I believe and who I am. And says, and we put it on our church so people kind of have some notion of what they're going to get when they get in. This, these days, you put Baptists outside, you still don't know what you're going to get when you come in. But whatever, he says, it's, it's just kind of an identifier. It helps us know the things we believe. He says, says, what's important is what we believe. He said, whatever label we wear down here is either going to fall off in the rapture or burn off in hell. I'll always remember that. That was, that was my radio chapter one. Uh, and I said, that's good. That's good. It says, it's what you believe. And you must make sure you believe the truth. And I, and I can't emphasize enough that there are those that can't always explain everything. But they can't explain when they trusted the gospel that they heard about Jesus Christ. Believe the truth. Be sure you're not believing a lie. Amen? Says the birth of the child of God, it's when we believe the truth. And the birth of a child of God, when it happens, it makes you pure. <laughs> I know you don't often feel pure. Mike talking about getting up in the morning feeling good. Uh, I don't often feel good. He, he needs to get my age, but uh, uh, and uh, uh, sure get up a lot of mornings and I don't feel pure. How about you? Um, don't feel pure, but we are pure. Look, look what he says. He's, he says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit of unfeigned love. Seeing, or ha- that says, having been purified. That's what happens when you're born again. You are made pure. At the point you trust Jesus Christ, you are pronounced to be pure by God. You are now pure. This is stated in terms like calling us justified. Justification means we're declared just. We're declared innocent. 
We're declared to be as one who has never sinned, justified. We have imputed righteousness. You know that term? Given righteousness. See, Jesus on the cross was given my sins. When I trusted him, he gave me his righteousness. That's just scripture, imputed righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you know, it's always been the work of God to change the inner man, to make us righteous. Ezekiel, do you know what that is? Um, uh, It's on page 862. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. I just love this passage, Ezekiel, talking about the new covenant and the work of the Holy Spirit in the days to come. Ezekiel 36, 25. It says this, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Will I cleanse you? A new heart also I will give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to soften your heart. You know, that is one of the greatest signs of being saved. It's not that I'm sinless, that I'm perfect. Not at all. But God's given me a soft heart for the things of God. Right? He's made my heart soft toward the things of God, toward the Word. When I look at the Word, if I don't understand it, I want to understand it. If I look at the Word and it challenges me in some way in my lifestyle, and I'm confused, I don't clearly understand it, I say, but Lord, I want to be soft toward this. What it says, He gives me a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. That's a hard saying, isn't it? But that's, that's becoming a child of God. That, that purity, Peter talks about being pure. Heard a preacher tell a story one time um, that he uh, accepted an invitation at this resort to go out on this boat. And, uh, and he said, well, this is an open door, you know, to these people. He didn't feel like any of them had any relationship with the Lord or anything else. But they invited him and his wife. He said, well, you know, I shouldn't turn. This will be a chance. And he went out and uh, he mingled among the people and what he said. It was a fairly decent environment and whatnot, but it came time to leave. Uh, they became a little bit uncomfortable, said, you know, I think we need to leave and whatnot. And he, says, and, uh, he says, as he was leaving, he realized he had not spent as much time talking about the things of the Lord and witnessing these people as he should. He had just met him. He was trying to build a rapport with them. He says, but as he and his wife were leaving, going down the plank to leave the boat, to leave the ship. One of the guys yelled at him and said, Hey, aren't you a preacher? He said, I am. He says, uh, says well, what? would you tell us something about your religion? Uh, and, uh, and he, he literally he had to continue on uh, going down the plane and get, whatnot, uh, going down the ramp to get to the small ship to go to leave and whatnot, the small vessel to get leave. And he said, I just stopped. He says, what am I going to say to this group right now? He says, what I want to tell you is most people in the world spell religion or a relationship with God D-O. What can I do? He said, the Bible spells religion 
D-O-N-E. It's done. He said, I just want you to know everything that needs to be done is found in Jesus Christ. And he left. It's done. It's done. He makes us pure. That's part of the birth of a child of God. And he goes on to say that the birth of a child of God is best known. Are you ready? Best seen by our love for other children of God. Now, this is an emphasis in this passage. And I want you to follow with me for a moment. He says, seeing that you have purified your souls by being true through the Spirit unto unfeigned, that means unhypocritical, honest love of the brethren. See that you love one another and with a pure heart fervently. He says, something that's happened to you since you've been saved, born again, is that you that love other Christians, other, other believers, others that have been born again. Uh, he uses two words for love. He uses the word phileo and he uses the word uh, agape in here. He says, you've got brotherly love. He says, now I want you to use God's kind of love and keep loving these people. Is what he's saying. He says, sincere love. A character trait of all born-again Christians is unhypocritical, non-play-acting love for other Christians. I want you to hear this. The truth was affirmed, is affirmed over and over in Scripture. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, By this shall all know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. That's a pretty big statement. That's how people are going to know. Do I have time to read? First John, you know that passage in First John chapter 4, um, verse 7, um, and it, it's all the way through the end of that chapter. It'd do us well to read that over and over and over again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. There it is again. If you're born again, you, you, you love. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. I'm going to go all the way down to the end. It says in verse 20, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. I wish he wouldn't be so blunt. How about you? What do you mean calling me a liar? For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Um, don't you love my preacher stories? Uh, being an interim, I have it. Um, through the years, uh, I don't know how many people I've, you know, uh, I, I'm not really good at chasing folks that, that leave the church. I, I'll be honest with you, all right? Somebody said, well, somebody needs to go see them. Somebody needs to go see them. I often say, no, they, come to, they need to come see me and hear me preach is what they need. Uh, but uh, but, uh, but well, I do, I do. And so many people, even though in 1 John and Ephesus they went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they, they, they wouldn't have left in the first place. But see if I can put this all together. So many people I talk to that get tired of the church. Get tired of Christians. Get tired of dealing with the struggles that we go through to continue to be a church and do the things of God. 
and they fall out. They leave. Uh, I'm not saying go somewhere else. They leave church. They, they leave the fellowship of the saints. Uh, you know, I, I, not that they're going to another church, another fellowship, they're not going. And they, they blame it on the friction and tension they had in the church. Uh, I will talk to these people, and, they, and I'll talk to them about their faith and the importance of being church. And, you know, and, and, and John said, if you go out from us, you're not of us. I says, says, you know, this is causing a real dilemma for you and whatnot. Almost every one of those people, what they'll do is they will go back to the doctrine of eternal salvation, once saved, always saved, eternal security. Said, well, I, you know, I'm saved. I don't have to go to church to be saved. I don't have to be the, with other Christians to be saved. Because I know I'm saved and I'll forever be saved. Just because I left the church doesn't mean I left Christ. But then I get to this passage and it's teaching me that the very nature of eternal security, the very nature of eternal salvation, the very nature of knowing you are saved forever is you want to be with God's people. It's one of the real signs. Did you know loving the brethren is one of the signs of eternal life? That's what it says. That's what it's all about. That's how he kind of wraps it up when he says in verse 25, he said the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. He said, he, 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 in this passage, he says, you know, we were born fleshly with a corruptible seed. We all were born by Adam's seed. And we're going to die. I don't, I don't care how healthy you are. We're, we live in a generation of health crazes, don't we? Uh, but you know what I've come to learn? Healthy people die and sick people die. The psalmist said God's... Uh, Promised us three score and ten. Anything you get over that, folks, is grace. It's just true. It's just, it's just grace. And God give me grace. Uh, but, uh, you know, healthy people die, sick people die. And that, that's because, you know, we have this corruptible seed. But when we were saved, we were saved by an incorruptible seed. The Word of God that endures forever. Forever. Eternal life, eternal security, eternal truth. And we should eternally love the children of God. I have to tell you something. I don't have to, but I am. Um, when I got saved, I tell you one of the first, you say, oh, you just grew up that way. First thing I did, I wanted to go to church. I wanted to be around Christian people. I wanted to meet somebody that believed like I did that could help me. Um, it's a part of being a child of God. Now, but let's talk about, I only have a few minutes to talk about the second point, the growth of a child of God. That's in verses one through three. Not a lot there. 
uh, in, in as far as space and we'll be able to cover it, how the child of God grows. He said, we're a part of a family. We're all the children of God. Now let's grow. Let's grow together. And they had few Christian friends. They had small churches. But let's grow together. And, and he first of all talks about hindrances to our growth. Some things hinder our growth in Christ. Verse 1 talks about it. Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. He could, hey, this is just a short list. Amen? He could go on. You know what he's saying? He's saying, just get rid of sin. You, you got to get sin out of your life. You know, responsible parents are extremely concerned with removing hindrances to their baby's healthy growth, right? No, they feed them and make sure they sleep and all those things, but they also get things out of the way. The, you know, in our home, because we have small children, my grandchildren living with us now, we got these, tra you know, we got these, these locks that slide up and on where, where the, the poisons are, you know, the cleaners and, and all this stuff. Dinah's all the time reminding me in a kind and concerned way not to leave my pillbox down because there's children running around the house. Uh, if you've seen some of my grandchildren, they need a pill. Uh, but, um, but, uh, but, uh, but no, but you you put away medicines, poisons. You want to keep sharp objects from them. You want to close gate. You want to where, where they are. Make sure the gates gates are closed and watch the people are around. See, we're not just concerned with feeding them. We're concerned with getting the things out of their lives that'll harm them and cut their lives short. Right, Christian people, you don't just need to be fed. There's some things you need to get out of your life. Get it out. Sin is always a hindrance to growth. Amen? Always. No matter how well fed you are, you need to get the hindrances out, the sin out. Strip it away. Sin cannot be condoned, excused, covered, or harbored in the heart. Get rid of it. Be honest about it. That's the hindrances to growth. Let's talk about helps for growth. Um, he says in verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The word. Helps for growth. The picture is obvious and simple, isn't it? A hungry baby, not even a hungry baby, just a baby wants milk, amen? Uh, don't have problems eating, just problems sleeping, most babies. But... Milk. Milk is the Word of God. You have an awesome responsibility, Christian, to be in the Word. Amen. Just like a baby has an awesome responsibility to take its bottle, right? Nurse it at his mama's breast. They, an awesome responsibility for the milk. And I'll say this to you as you search for your pastor. The pastor has an awesome responsibility to feed the people. To feed the people. To feed the people. Sometimes it's milk, like in this passage. Sometimes, as the writer of Hebrews says, you need strong meat. Some people get to a place where they need some strong meat. They need some straight shooting, right? Some deeper things. Sometimes they just need to be reminded of the, the bread and the honey, the sweet things come from Scripture. And you know, when a preacher comes to the pulpit... It's like a mama 
who comes to the table with a large family. She's got to feed them all. You ever thought about that? She's got to feed them all. And if you've got kids like my grandkids, some of them just don't like certain things. They're not ready for certain things. Uh, I know what you're going to say. Eat it. Clean that plate. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> that's what we do. But they're just not ready for certain things. I have to tell you, there were times when I didn't like broccoli or okra. Uh, you can fill my plate up now. You know, I guess I'm ready for strong meat. <laughs> I don't know. I'll eat okra any way you make it now. Boil it, fry it, cook it, pickle it. I don't care what you do with it. When I was a kid, I, wouldn't even, I didn't want to feel like it. That fuzzy stuff was awful. <laughs> Wasn't ready for it. But see, when mama comes to mealtime, she's got to feed everybody. And sometimes some of them come to the table sick, amen? Uh, all sorts of things. It's like a pastor in the pulpit. He's got to feed everybody. You've got to stick with the Word. Bring out every truth that you, you can find. Challenge people at every point that you know you can. And that's how the child of God grows. It's how they grow. Last my conclusion, he says in verse 3, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I don't know why I come up with commercials when I'm preaching to you guys. Uh, maybe I think I'm on uh, YouTube or something. Uh, uh, but how many remember years ago the potato chip co commercial? Bet you can't eat. Just one. Yes, some of you are old as me, uh, or at least watch TV when you're babies or whatever. I bet you can't just eat just one. You got, got to have another, got to have another. He says, he said, if you've really tasted God's grace, you need to remind yourself from time to time what it took to save you. Today at lunch with some of the dear folks of this church, I appreciated when I was asked, when were you saved, brother? How were you saved, brother Ken? I tell you what, I love to tell my testimony. I love to start talking, talking about how the Holy Spirit brought me down to hating my sin and, and needing Jesus. And uh, about kneeling on a little old mourner's bench in a little church and, uh, and getting saved. Getting saved. I'm telling you, my life changed forever. Forever. That night. Now, you may think you grew into your salvation. You, you may think you kind of had to roll down the road a little bit and kind of merge into it and everything else. You may have been saved as a child. You, did, you didn't, weren't in the depths of sin like I was. There may be a lot of things. But I tell you, the night I was saved, I got saved and it changed my life. And I love to talk about it. And I tell you, when I start talking about it, it gets sweet. The words get sweet. They get sweet. Is it sweet to you to talk about how God saved you? He says, that's part of our growth. You know, the greatest incentive to spiritual growth is to remind one another of the sweet taste of salvation, of the satisfying and fulfilling meals that we've received from the Word of God in days past. 
I learned something. God taught me something. Last week, someone came up and showed me the notes of a devotion in, in recent days, in just recent days past, and says, and, and, it, and it, the words were exactly one of my points in my sermon that God taught them in their own devotional life. I tell you what, I could tell it was sweet taste to her. And I hear amen in me right now. It was a sweet taste what the, how the Word fed them. I tell you, feed on the Word. Be sure you know the sweet taste of salvation and the grace of God. And you'll grow. You'll grow in Christ. And we need to grow together. Together is the children of God.